Good morning, Centerway Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good morning, good morning. I love all the feedback. It's so nice. Um, my name is Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still dealing with a little raspiness throat thing here. Um, so I'll try not to cough into the mic. Uh, welcome. Welcome to everybody in the room today. Welcome to everybody joining us online. I'm sure some of you are home because of the weather, traveling or different things. And so welcome to you. Welcome to everybody that's watching or listening later on in the week and uh, catching us later. Uh, you might look around and we feel a little older in here today. And that is because we have um, like about 20 uh, students and leaders at a winter retreat today. Um, so if you're here and you're a parent, they are having a fantastic time. They're actually about to start their last uh, service, um, but a lot of our students actually serve around here, which is awesome. That's what we want. And so, um, but we're just happy for them to go and get away. But yeah, that's why it might look a little different. Um, our students are winter retreat and our leaders and different things. Um, and they'll be back today. I'm actually kind of kicking myself. I wish I had put up some pictures, but just an incredible time away with God. So if you think about that, just say a prayer for them as they go into their last uh, service today and then head back and drive home. Um, so that's why it might look a little different in here, but special welcome to any guests with us in the room. You know, we have guests every week and that's awesome because it's not the easiest thing to visit a new church or to, um, you know, just engage anything new, but especially a church. And so I just want you to know we have been praying for you. We just want to serve you. You can make yourself at home. We're very easy here. Um, no worries. Ask all the questions you want. And in fact, the next couple of things that I talk through are really primarily for you, our guests. The people that are here every week, they hear this all the time, and you can just keep bearing with me. Um, but we really want you to be on the same page as us. You kind of know a little bit about us and what to expect. So First thing is, if you are new here, or actually if you have information to update, we would love for you to share that with us. We have no intention of hunting you down or stalking you. Um, in fact, there's cards in front of you, and right at the bottom of that card, it says the three things that we will do with that card if you fill it out. But if you do, it's a great way for us to connect with you, to get feedback from you. We love feedback here at Centerway. And, um, and then also to see if there's anything personal that you would like, um, any way that we can serve you in a personal way. So hard copy, you can use that. Um, if you would rather do it electronically, we use an app here called the YouVersion app. You may know it as the Bible app. Um, <clears throat> and I believe there are instructions on the screen for that. You can not only share your information, but you can follow along with the message. You can take notes there. And this does not apply to our guests because, of course, we would never expect you to give. But if you are a regular tender and you actually want to give through there, you can do that. Of course, you can also give in the offering box and on um, the website. But the cool thing about that app is it's also useful um, to connect with us to make us your church if you want to do that and then you'll follow along with like different reading plans and all kinds of things like that so the app is great tons of resources on there um i already mentioned uh any ways that people want to give i'm getting a little ahead of myself i've not done welcome for a long time so i'm like checking my notes oh man don't miss anything um Today is week three of our new series called Built to Be. This is a continuation of the series we started in the fall called Being Built. We took a break for Advent, and now here we are back in Nehemiah, and it is a killer series. It's been so good. This is going to be week three, like I said. Um, in the back at that table, there are free Nehemiah journals. If you don't have one from the previous series, help yourself. You can even get up right now while I'm talking. If you want to grab a journal, um, please go ahead and do that, and you can take notes in that and follow along with the scriptures we'll be reading. 
Um, and if you're joining us online and you want a journal, just shoot us an email and we will happily mail you one. Um, so we have resources uh, so that you can connect and engage throughout the week. We don't ever want to just come here on a Sunday and walk away and forget everything that we heard. And so we have resources to help you apply the text. There are wallpapers for your phone and devices. Um, there's a Spotify playlist that will have all the songs. Uh, that we do throughout the whole series on here. We have um, social media that you can connect with us on, and we post um, periodically just some um, tidbits from the message or um, just encouragement. We post the application there. And then we have Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that are incredible. Our team curates that. And what the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals do is it'll be sent to your inbox if you want to subscribe. If you don't, they'll live on our website. Um, but they go deeper into the text throughout the week, um, which is really awesome. So, um, Take advantage of all those resources if you would like. You can find those on the messages page of our website if you would like to access them. Um, if you're looking for a next step to take, go for it. We always say there's a next step. We never stop in our journey of following Jesus. And even if you're here and you're not even sure there is a God or you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's okay. You have a next step too. And we would like to help you find that. Um, and so we have a next steps page of the website. There's also a next steps area back there that I believe Claude will be at at the end and you can visit and talk to him. But I want to point out three next steps. We don't usually do this, but I want to point out three next steps that you can take. Um, that's not all of them. But the first is that next Sunday we're having a water baptism um, and the 28th. So if you want to go public with your faith, if you've never been baptized, you know, full immersion and you want to go public, um, that could be a great next step for you. So go ahead and sign up on our website. Second, the following Sunday, the fourth, there's a clarity workshop and that moves you towards center stewardship. Um, and it, if you need to know more about that, that's all on the website. I'm not going to take time to explain it, um, but that is a great next step as well. And then finally, also that next week, a new circle cycle is starting. Circles are what we call our small groups. They are just an incredible way to connect, to engage throughout the week. All we do is talk about how we're applying the text. And so it's super encouraging. It's fun. Of course, we have food. You know, how can you not be together and not have food? Um, but it's a great way to meet people, to grow, to be encouraged. And so there are a number of different circles for adults, for students and even a circle for kids um, that goes along with one of the adult circles. So all that's live on the website. So you can access that through the next steps page or centerwaychurch.com slash circles. Um, and another page, I know this is a lot, stick with me. Another page you can check out is our calendar page of the website for upcoming events and activities. And I know I already mentioned that our students, a lot of them, not all of them are currently on um, a winter retreat, um, but there's actually something coming up this Friday, just a real chill event called Food Court Fridays. So um, that's something to look forward to as well. So finally, if you have questions, feedback, if you have ideas for us, if you need prayer for anything, the best way to connect is connect at centerwaychurch.com. Email us there and we will get back to you as soon as we can. So, whew, did it. Here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Um, I'm going to pray and then Claude's going to come up and he's going to share from Nehemiah, from the Bible. And then after that, we're going to respond to the word through singing. So we can, we pray together. God, we love the church. We love your church. We love that you designed this so that we don't have to go through life alone. We love that we can come together and receive your word gladly and corporately worship you and lift up your name, Jesus, because it's just so beautiful and it's so good and it's powerful. And so we expect today um, to be transformed, to walk out different people. And we just anticipate a move of God here. Um, would you just have your way? This is your time and your service, and we're just here for you and for each other. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here at Centerway. And again, just pray blessing and protection over our students that are going into their last service today and then driving home later today. Would you be with them and our leaders in Jesus' name? Amen.
Thank you, Meredith. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Claude. Uh, I'm the lead pastor. Uh, me and my wife, Meredith, who was just up here, are the lead pastors here at Centerway. And I uh, just want to welcome you. Uh, excited that you're able to be with us today, whether it's in person or online. Uh, just to brag a little bit on our students. Um, I just, they, I was getting so many pictures and they're so stinking proud that I thought I'd brag on a little. So there's about 20 of us that are up in the Adirondacks at a retreat and there's several hundred that are at that retreat. And one of the things that they do there is a volleyball tournament and they actually have a plaque where they like engrave the winners and all that stuff and Centerway won the tournament. So way to go kids, way to represent super proud. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. They were so excited. I was getting pictures from all, all everybody. So, um, again, excited to be with you this morning and we're continuing in our series, uh, as we journey through Nehemiah, uh, you can always check out previous talks on the messages page of the website as Meredith made mention a couple of times. Uh, the series is entitled built to be, and today's, uh, talk specifically is entitled free. So followers of Jesus are built to be free, built to be free. Now, I'm sure that the word free kind of evokes all different types of thoughts, ideas, and maybe even emotion in you because freedom is a powerful thing. And limiting freedom uh, is an infuriating thing, right? And it's funny, nobody has to really be taught that. All you have to do is just... Um, I, I like to, to wrestle with my son and every once in a while, just kind of hold him still and just holding him still. You can see kind of like the fury in him. Like he just wants the strength to break free. None of us like to kind of be contained, like to have our freedoms limited. Um, it evokes something in us. And uh, in fact, as humans, we don't really need to be taught to pursue freedom. I use an example of my kid, and really it would resonate with any one of us. But we don't have to be taught to, uh, to try to pursue some form of freedom. All you have to do is watch a little one begin to cr- crawl, and it's like off to the races, right? The minute you're, like, you're holding this child, you're holding this child, you're like, oh, I'm so tired, I can't hold it. Doesn't it seem like kids exponentially weigh more the longer you hold them? It's like unbelievable. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, they weigh so much. You can always see a parent in a line if you're waiting at a store or something because they kind of have this sway to them. Like even with no kid, it's like, this is just, this is my motion. I do this now. They're used to rocking a kid. But the minute that kid can crawl, it's like, they're taking off. And uh, I didn't know very much when we had our our first child. We have three. Um, Our oldest is now 16. And um, I was so excited to like, teach her to walk. It was like, oh my goodness, she's going to walk. Like, this is amazing. And she takes her first step and you're like taking pictures and you're in awe. And then you're like, oh my goodness, she can walk. (laughs) Like, why is she walking so fast? Tell her to stop walking. By the time we got to our third child, I was like, maybe we just don't teach him to walk. Like, maybe just, it's okay. He can crawl. Like, we can kind of contain him that way. You know, he's like, look, he's standing. I'm like tripping him. (laughs) Like, no, I, I didn't do that. No, I really didn't. Um, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about? This idea of just freedom and curiosity, this desire to explore, navigate. All of a sudden, um, you know, we had our middle one was like a climber. It was like we just turned around and all of a sudden she's like up on a shelf. You're like, what? Like they're just going. We just, it's in us. We want to experience freedom. And uh, as much as freedom of motion and freedom of action, they, they resonate with us. It's obvious that we want that type of freedom and they're significant. I'm actually talking about something a little deeper than that. 
I'm talking about something that runs deeper in all of us as humans. As humans, we want not just simple physical freedom. And I say simple not because it's simplistic, but the obviousness of physical freedom. We want freedom of thought. We want freedom from others. Yes, that's a given. But we want freedom from ourselves. We want freedom from our own negative self-talk. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course you do. We all do. In case you're like, "Uh, that's just me. No, it's not. We want freedom from our own negative self-talk. We want freedom from our seemingly inability to control our thoughts. We want freedom from our inability at times to control our words. And now based on your personality, that's either an easy thing or a really difficult thing. Some of us, it's like you think faster than you're then you want to, and all of a sudden you say things and you see expressions on people's faces and you're like, oh my goodness, I wish I could take that back. Others of us leave the room and go, you know what I should have said? Oh, if I could do that again, you know. There are two sides of the same coin, the same struggle to say, man, if only I could gain some form of freedom in in regards to my words, in regard to my own actions, and all of these things. All of this, this negative self-talk, the, the uh, inability to control our thoughts at times, our words, our actions, all of them, they culminate. They culminate into this annoying, infuriating, simple word called regret. Regret. We have regret. You see, if we're honest, on some level, small or large, what we all really want is freedom from our past. Freedom from our past on different levels and in different ways. And for some of you, you have significant regret or what you would articulate as significant regret. And you're looking around the room and you're like, oh my goodness, if, if only they knew. But we're all there. We're all there in different ways. Whether it's an action that we took, a word that we said, you name it, regret. We want freedom from our past. You know, regret is actually interesting, and like I said, it's infuriating, but it's interesting because of this. It's not just attached to the things we've done. It's even attached to the things we believe we should have done or that we should have said. It's like a (laughs) lose-lose. I just regret that I said that. I regret I didn't say this. I regret that I did that. Oh, I just regret that I didn't do that. Regret. You know, what would you say to yourself if you could go back five years? And for some of us, you know, not many of us, but for some of us, if you go back 25 years, <laughs> I might be in that group, I don't know, maybe 40, I don't know. So, but if you go back, if you go back 5, 10, 20, 30 years, what, what would you say to yourself? You know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. It's interesting, at every season of our life, we want the next season. We, we, we desire it. Like, when you're in kindergarten, you're like, man, it wouldn't be so awesome if I was just in high school. And you're like, oh, I just want to be there. And then you get to high school and there's no recess. And you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> if only I could go to college, then I could have freedom. Then you go to college, you're like, well, there's so much responsibility. Or you go into the workforce and you're like, if only I could just go back to the simplicity of a playtime and lunch where someone 
I could wait in line, just get food, you know, like at every level we long for the next season only to find out that it's more complicated than the previous. I don't want to lose you for too long thinking about the things you would say because I'm sure there's lots of things that you would say to yourself if you could turn back the clock. What comes to mind is a mixture of not only things that you wouldn't want to do again, but also things that you should have done, right? I mean, you'd, if you could sit yourself down, it would look something like, hey, I know this seems big right now. It doesn't matter. Like, no, 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 it really is big. No, just seriously, shut your mouth. You're doing that thing that we always do. <laughs> Be quiet. Stop overthinking it. That doesn't matter. What matters is this. You're, you're ignoring this, but that's the thing that matters. It's interesting because what are we dealing with right now that's monopolizing our mind, that's capturing our heart? that's stealing away minutes, hours of our day. The worries, the tensions that it's possible five years from now we'll look back on that thing and we'll say, why were you focused on that? Why weren't you focused on this? It matters so much more. It's interesting how we live cyclical lives. But very often we don't change any of the cycle. We just get ahead and look back and in some cases, regret. Let me ask you a question as we move into the text with that context in our mind. The question is this. Where has regret kept you from moving forward? Where has regret kept you from moving forward? And you might say, oh, no, nothing. Because I know that there's some people in the room that are wired a specific way where you're like, I don't regret anything. I just do what I do. It's fine. And if I were to pull you aside and talk about the relationships that have been damaged, the things that, um, that people have misunderstood you on, you'd say, well, I mean, I mean, maybe that's their problem. No, but if you had to do over again, would you? Well, I don't know, maybe I'd change a few things. <laughs> you see, regret hinders our ability to move forward. It has an impact on us. Regret, track with me here, it confirms the lies that we speak over ourselves. Now, that seems like a sentence that's not super profound, but if you think about its implications, it's significant. We have a regret about an action or a word or something like that that we said or did. And then we communicate a lie to ourselves. And that regret confirms that lie. It's huge. It's huge if we can understand that. And the reason why it's huge if we can understand it is because regret is not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Like no one was ever like, listen, regret's positive. Lean into that. No. no what, what people will say is learn from your mistakes. But nobody ever says, listen, just wallow in that regret. Feel some shame. Lean into the pain. If you start to let yourself off, just remember how much of an idiot you are. No. And yet we all deal with this idea of regret. How can we get to the place where we realize it's not good? You see, if we can realize that, we can begin to experience freedom. So here you go. The takeaway, just stop regretting. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? 
Wouldn't it be great if I could just say, listen, the takeaway is regret is bad, so stop. You're welcome. But we can't stop it. We struggle with it. The problem is in those moments, we think the lie isn't actually a lie. We actually think that we're dumb. We actually think I should have known better than to have done that. We actually think, oh my goodness, I am cold-hearted. You see, because people, in some cases well-meaning, but in most cases not so well-meaning, have spoken lies into our lives, and in those moments where we do things that we regret, they confirm the lies they've spoken. And so when people say, listen, you are so mean, and then you do something, and it's mean, you go, huh, maybe I am as mean as everybody thinks. Maybe I am as worthless as people have told me. Maybe I am as cold-hearted. Maybe I do have an evil motive. Like maybe I am malicious and the, the lies go on. Maybe I am worthless. Maybe I am weak. Maybe I am unwanted. The list could go on of all of the lies that get confirmed in moments of regret. And so we live in this pain point, in this tension, and the lies are echoed by our own regret over and over again. As a result, we just get locked up. We just get locked up. And so we actually begin to sabotage our ability to move forward. We sabotage our future. Oh my goodness, that's so infuriating, right? Because we can stand on the outside of it as if we're looking at a fishbowl and go, oh yeah, I see that. (laughs) And here's the thing that really gets frustrating. We can see it clear as day in others. In our loved ones, we're looking at them and say, what are you doing? Don't regret that. Don't be locked up by that. And they're like, but I can't, but I can't. Oh, you're smart. You're wonderful. And they're like, "Eh, I'm not so sure. Why? Because I'm telling myself a different narrative. And so I'm in a cycle you can't stop. I appreciate your love, but you're saying that just because you're my mom. Not that attractive. Mom, you lied to me. (laughs) Well, that's fine. I tricked my wife. We're good. You know what I'm talking about? The the tension of just believing this lie, seeing it so clearly in others, but having the inability to apply it to our own lives. It's so incredibly frustrating. And as we sabotage our future, it becomes a cycle. It becomes a cycle that we can see in others, but we can't, for some reason, see in ourselves. Relationally, professionally, and even with God, We push away. We create boundaries. We build walls. We say, oh, too far. We're like, eh, not interested. I've been hurt before. Nice try. We create distance as if we're somehow protecting ourselves, but all the while we're missing out on the fullness of our lives because we believed in some type of a lie that's causing us to not move forward. Now listen, the pain is real. I'm not sitting here saying like that doesn't hurt. I'm not saying other people haven't hurt you. I'm not saying that that the pain is not real or to some way dismiss it or to say just like Christian jargon that's like, but God loves you. So no, like you have real pain. In some cases you have people that have really misrepresented maybe who God is or what a loving relationship is 
The list goes on. And so maybe you could blame hurt on others, but you bear responsibility for the lies that you're communicating to yourself. So how do we get free? How do we get free? Like all this stuff that's resonating, it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. So now what? And again, is the answer just like, okay, so stop regretting. (laughs) Just move on, move forward. That's what we think. We think just put on your big boy pants, it's fine. We compartmentalize with the best of us. We shut down, act like we're good, we're good. Or worse yet, we act like we're just angry and that's okay because we're fine with it. I'm mad at the world. How do we get free though? How do we experience freedom? This is the tension that the Israelites are struggling with in the text. And they're struggling with it in ways that I've begun to articulate in previous weeks that you can check out if you want. I'm gonna summarize in some ways as we move forward today. But they're dealing with this tension and it's important for us to realize that it has direct application in our lives. Otherwise, we'll just look at it and say, wow, the Israelites really experienced something bizarre and we won't see the application to the way we live our lives. But it's revealed, this tension is revealed as their prayer continues through the end of this chapter. If you weren't with us last week, a prayer began in verse six and it continues here. Today we're focusing on verses 32 through the end of the chapter, verse 38. And so if you weren't with us, like I said, a prayer began in verse six and it continues here. Interestingly enough, this prayer only has one one request in the entire thing. So the prayer is very much someone just communicating to God. These Israelites are just communicating to God. They're just telling the story of what it is that they're aware of. And there's just simply one request in the entire prayer, interestingly enough. And it's in verse 32, which is the first verse of our text this morning. It says this, I'll read it. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seems so little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all our people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. It seems kind of odd, right? If you're praying a prayer, you're praying it publicly, which they were. They're praying it before the entire people of Israel These priests, these Levites, they're praying this prayer and they're going through just this acknowledgement of their history. And then the first and only request of the entire prayer is let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us. (laughs) Hey God, the only thing we ask is that you realize how bad it's been for us. It's the way it seems, right? At face value, the text seems like This is just a poor me statement. It's a poor us statement. But it's actually something far more profound. It's actually a change in pattern. What we're seeing here is the Israelites being led by their priests, being led by their Levites, breaking a cycle. It's a pattern on how we can apply breaking a cycle within our own lives. It's the answer to the question that we've posed today. So let's navigate it together. We all know that we can't keep doing the same things and expect a different result, right? It's a given. Can't just keep doing the same thing and expect the result to somehow be different. However, we often expect a different outcome even though we've changed nothing. (laughs) That's the same thing in case you weren't listening. (laughs) You're like, wait, I don't get it. What? Why are people laughing? What do you say? It was funny. You should have been paying attention. 
We do the same thing. Like we'll look at somebody that, that we're teaching or somebody that we're navigating alongside. And like, again, I said, we can be so objective when dealing with others. We'll say, listen, you can't keep doing the same things and expect a different outcome. And yet within our own lives, we will do the same things and expect things to be different. Oftentimes, we come to the conclusion that the problem is everyone else. (laughs) The problem is just, you know, no matter what I do, I am continually surrounded by absolute idiots. It's amazing, no matter where I go. (laughs) Like, so who's with you no matter where you go? We have the reality, if we, if we would just come to grips with our own fallacies, but, but if we come to grips with our own fallacies, then are we embracing the lie? Are we just setting ourselves up for regret? You see, it's like this tension, this almost, it feels like a wire we need to be balancing on. Let's look at the Israelites. The Israelites, in outlining their past in this prayer, a pattern is actually revealed in the previous pericope, in the previous section of scripture, we see something that, that begins in verses 26 through 27. I won't read them. You can read them on your own, especially if you have the journal. If you want, you can just highlight them. But in verses 26 through 27, there's a cycle that begins that they articulate as their history. It's a cycle of disobedience, God's judgment through foreign oppression, then a call to God, and God delivers them. That's the pattern. It's a four-step pattern. Then they acknowledge that cycle and they repeat it again in how the people of Israel did it again. And they say that in verse 28. And they're like, just so you know, we know we did this too. And they go through the cycle again. And again, it's a public prayer in front of all the people. And then they say it again in verses 29 through 31, right before verse 32, they go through the cycle again. They're saying, listen, all throughout time, we have this pattern. We have this cycle where we do this thing. We disobey, you evoke, just, you evoke some form of judgment on us, typically through foreign oppression. Then we call out for you to deliver, and, and again you deliver us. God, I see a pattern. Maybe, just maybe, the problem is us. Can I just submit to you for a second? Maybe, just maybe, the problem is us. Maybe the problem is you. Now, don't hear that the wrong way. Because if you've leaned into regret and you've believed lies, when I just said the problem is you, you're like, that's what everybody's always told me. That is not what I am saying. Bear with me. There is a pattern of regret and the same action over and over again. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of verse nine, and even looking into chapter, I mean, into chapter nine, the beginning of chapter nine, also back into the chapter eight, we see that there was a reading of the law that took place where Ezra got before the people and they read the law and they were aware that they're currently in a season of disobedience. So they see it. They see it. By reflecting on their past, all of a sudden they go, "Uh uh-oh. There's a problem. We're doing it again. Like we've seen it all throughout history and here we are on the front end, we're doing it again. And they begin to mourn. They're currently in a season of disobedience. And in fact, even in the end of chapter uh, nine, we'll see if you read ahead a little bit that they refer to themselves as slaves in their country. And what they're really talking about is the reality that they're under foreign oppression in the sense that there's a foreign 
king that is overseeing them, Persia, the king of Persia. So they're not literally slaves at this point. They've been set free from exile. But they're referring to this idea or this tension of slavery because they're acknowledging the fact that they are not self-governing. And so they're saying, listen, we might be at the beginning point of some form of judgment because of our disobedience. And so let's break the cycle. We see the pattern. And we're saying to you, God, we want to break this cycle. We're the problem. You see, verse 32 is a call for mercy because their past revealed their shortcomings. And all throughout time, they saw God's faithfulness. So if we read verse 33, it says this. So they're right on the heel of what sounds like a little bit of like poor me. But verse 33 says, yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us. For you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. God, maybe the problem is I'm a sinner. Maybe the problem isn't like me, like who I am, but maybe the problem is my humanity. Maybe the problem is my depravity. Maybe the problem is my bent towards selfishness, my bent towards sinful action. God, maybe, maybe you've been faithful the whole time. And I've just distanced myself from you. Maybe other people that are wicked and have acted wickedly have injured me. And instead of me turning toward you who has been faithful in my life, I have distanced you because of my own regret, my own lies, my own shortcoming. I've built a wall before you, God. You see, verse 33 reveals a a more powerful pattern than the cycle we've grown accustomed to. They've decided that there's a choice. We can regret or we can repent. We can regret or we can repent. I honestly wish that didn't sound so catchy because I'm not like a huge fan of that. Like, and I regret or repent, which one? <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of those things. Some people would be like all excited and be like, I've got two R's for you. I don't, I don't know, I just don't do that stuff. But the, the reality and the truth is we have a choice of regret or repentance. It's a choice we make if we're willing to reflect. It all starts with our capacity and our willingness to be self-aware enough to look at the patterns in our life, to reflect upon the decisions that we've made, to acknowledge God's faithfulness and our own shortcomings. Get this, spiritual maturity is not time in a pew, time in a chair. Spiritual maturity is not like, but I grew up in this church or, or, or listen, I'm old or whatever. Like spiritual maturity is not even about theological knowledge, scripture knowledge. You know, Paul makes it really clear. You can just be puffed up with knowledge. You can quote scripture till the cows come home. It doesn't matter. You know who knows all the scriptures, quotes it really eloquently is Satan. We see that in the New Testament when he confronts Jesus. He twists it masterfully, takes it out of context. It's amazing. So you can know scripture. You can do time in a church. You, you can be in the presence of God weekly and just not connect the dots your entire life and not grow spiritually. 
Spiritual maturity, the mark of spiritual maturity is revealed in our ability to understand and take responsibility not only for our actions, but for the consequences of our actions in relation to God. It's funny, we call maturity the same exact thing in life, right? In life, we say, listen, part of being mature is being old enough to see this is your responsibility and take consequences for your actions. Take some responsibility for the actions you've taken. That's maturity. But we say, and that's where it ends. (laughs) We don't realize, wait, that actually applies to spiritual things as well. That in a spiritually mature environment, we take responsibility We understand, we reflect on the way we've interacted with God, the way we've represented him and misrepresented him. We take responsibility for our actions and the consequences of those actions. Now, let me be clear just for a second. I know I've said it, but I just feel like I need to clarify it. I don't mean what others have done. I'm not sitting here saying, take responsibility for what wicked and mean and hurtful people have done to you. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the things you own and you know. You know what I mean. Because there's things we own. There's things that we, like, okay, that's on me. The things we hold on to. The the things that we need to keep score on. The things that we say, listen, that's not my fault in the back of my mind. Like, "Mm, that was my fault, but let's not let it out. Those things we need to own. That's what I'm talking about. Are we willing to reflect? And between us and God, be able to say, God, you're faithful. You've been faithful all along. I'm actually the sinner here. I fall short. And it seems like I'm in a cycle. Are we willing to be honest with God about the dynamic of our life and take responsibility for the gaps that we've created? We can't take responsibility for what others have done, but we can take responsibility of how we respond to the wicked actions of others. You see? So instead of regretting, repent. Ah, it still doesn't seem to land, right? Like, how do, you, how do you repent without regret? It just seems like it's an impossible thing to do. I want to let you know that it's only possible if we know that we are so loved that our consequences have already been paid. You see, regret is the action of someone who believes they've lost or someone that doesn't know the outcome. When you've lost something, you have regret. Why? Because you didn't want to lose it. You wanted to win. Or you wanted to hold on to that thing or whatever it is. Or if you find yourself in the midst of not knowing the outcome, where will that relationship end? How will things play play out? Then regret is attached to it. Why? Because you don't know the outcome. And so you're like, oh, did I just mess it up? I regret. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And so regret is the action of somebody that doesn't know the outcome or believes they've lost. But when you know you've won, It's only then you can learn from your mistakes. It's only in those moments when you realize that you have won that you can learn from your mistakes. And so I want to tell you that Jesus has won on your behalf. You see, regret is the inability to have perspective on our lives. 
God has already won. In fact, you are loved, you are valuable, you are worth something. You are worth so much that Jesus chose to step into time and lay down his life for you, for your sin. He took the consequences on. Like we need to understand that and grasp it at the core of who we are because regret is a gap in gospel understanding. Think about that. Because here's the thing. I started the whole thing saying we all deal with regret. And so we all have a gap in gospel understanding. This is a a lifelong struggle that we don't graduate from. No, we need to allow the truth of the gospel to not only win us, but to grow us. To grow us up in spiritual things. To realize and wrestle with the reality of like, oh my gosh, Regret is a gap in gospel understanding. The gospel moves us to repentance. That's how we get moved to repentance. It's not an apology. You just say sorry till you're blue in the face. No, repentance is saying, in light of who you say that I am, God, and in an awareness of the sin of my life, I choose to not pursue this, but to pursue you. Repenting. Repentance means you understand and feel the weight of your actions. You take responsibility for the consequences. That's the learning part in this world. Be like, all right, well, now I've got to live with this reality because I lived outside of God's plan for my life. I made choices outside of his will. And so I can sit here and shake my fist at him and be mad like, oh God, why would you ever do this to me? Or I can spiritually mature and realize that God has been faithful all along and that I lived outside of his will and as a result, there are consequences I now need to take responsibility for. And in the midst of taking the responsibility, we also have this amazing knowledge that the gospel says our consequences will not be eternal. That the ripple effect of the consequences of our decisions will only be felt in this world, but that eternally God has solved the problem we could never solve ourselves. He's resolved the issue that no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, we could never bring ourselves back into relationship with him. There's something else that's incredible about the gospel, and that is this. God is at work redeeming your past. God is at work redeeming your past. So you know that you have won in the future. And so you're taking responsibility for how you live your one and only life, but all the while your missteps, as you live in repentance with him, he's redeeming. And he's saying, I can, I can, I can work with that. I'm painting a picture. I'm writing a narrative that is the beauty of the truth of the gospel throughout your life that will impact every life you come in contact with. If only you would realize how desperately loved you are and stop believing the lies and being locked up by the regret of your past. Oh my gosh, if you could get this, if we could all understand this, the freedom that we would experience. Not minimize our actions, but take responsibility for the wake we're in and say, listen, I made this mess, but God, only because of your grace and mercy can I move forward and only you will redeem it. And I'll continue to live in line with your will as I see that redemption unfold. You see, now, if you can get that, 
If you can understand it, if you can allow it to penetrate your heart and push it from your mind into your heart so that it functions through your hands, that it's, that it's something you hold on to and you live with, then your past, in light of the gospel, is called your testimony. It's something that you can then leverage for influence to live on mission. So you can regret your past and be locked up, or you can move forward with authority and hope and joy, knowing that God is at work in the midst of it, and that he's doing a work that you, that you don't even understand. And someday, you, you'll look back at this moment and say, oh, I wish I, could, I wish I could turn back time. I wish I could go back to that moment and tell them, be filled with hope. Believe that God is at work because he's doing something that you can't imagine. He's at work in ways that you can't expect. Because all throughout time, since the beginning of time, God has been faithful. He has been faithful. And you can see it woven throughout your life. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been hurts. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been pain. But God is not the author of that pain. So, what can we do practically? Is it just something that we possess the knowledge of and hope that in some way it, it reaches the core of who we are? We can break the cycle and we can experience freedom through two things that are revealed in, in the text today. Through reflection and repentance. Reflection and repentance. That's the key. You want to be set free from regret? You want to shut regret down in your life and, be, and have freedom to move forward in all God has for you? Then reflect upon your past. Repent for what it is you need to take responsible for, responsibility for. And then see God's faithfulness turn it into your testimony. The problem is, we don't often want to reflect. Because there's too much hurt. There's too many lies. And there's too much regret. And that is the battlefield of our mind. And that's where scripture says, Satan is the author of confusion. He wants to destroy you. And I'm not one, if you've been here often enough, you know I'm not one to be like, ah, there's the devil, there he is. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like hyper-spiritually or act like you know Satan's coming just for you. But there is the reality of spiritual dynamic and the reality that you are an influencer in every sphere of life, that there is a legacy and a plan that God has not only for you, but for your family and your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews and the people of this church and the children that run the hallways that are looking to you as to how it is to live out your life with Christ. And you can sit here and be like, I'm perfect on Sundays. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My life's great, little one. How are you? Or you can be real and you can be authentic and you can maybe shed a few tears and be a little broken and a little messy and help little ones learn how it is to navigate the pain of the reality of life and come alongside them and say, hey, guess what? I'm 30 years older than you, but I just wet the bed. Well, not literally. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. I wish my teenagers were here right now. It's a phrase I use. Like, I just messed up is what I mean. <laughs> if you're wet in the bed, a whole nother sermon for you. Totally. Different. I mean, a willingness to, oh my gosh, that couldn't have come at a worse time or more perfectly horrifying. A willingness to say, listen, I messed up here. I dropped the ball. That is powerful. That's powerful. When my wife and I have, have humbled ourselves enough to, to look at our kids, I gotta, we got to own this one. Like we messed up, but that's okay. And we're going to move forward. Would you forgive us? 
and a willingness to humble ourselves and model what it looks like to move forward and take responsibility for the things we need to own and what it looks like to, to do that before God. Will we reflect and repent? So what does this text require of us today? The question I want us to wrestle with as we eventually leave this place or maybe even as we respond in worship in a few moments, the question is this, what choices require my repentance? What choices require my repentance? I want you to wrestle with that. I want to push you in to reflection. And now, you can totally ignore me, obviously. You can leave this place and not do any of it, but I want to challenge you. It's not, it's not just hearing the word, but it's applying the word. What is it that you're going to do with what it is that we've talked about? Are you willing to carve out time and space Five, ten minutes in the busyness of your life. I know, it's so crazy. You couldn't possibly find ten minutes. Unless there's an Instagram reel that just captures your attention. <laughs> you can carve out five or ten minutes and reflect a little bit. What choices require my repentance? There might be something that's, that's five, ten years old. Something that's deep. Twenty, thirty years old. You're like, that's on me. I need to repent. And maybe it means that you have to go to a person. That's a possibility. Now, if you are in a situation where someone has hurt you emotionally, physically, verbally, I'm I'm not telling you to open yourself up to that type of abuse by making yourself vulnerable. I would never say that. And so in that case, it maybe means taking responsibility for what you own in that relationship before God. But in other examples, you know them. It's a healthy relationship or a seemingly healthy or used to be healthy or you just need to go back and say, hey, there's something I need to own here. I broke this relationship because of my need to communicate this in that moment. I was wrong. And so I'm sorry. And don't capture people. I mean, don't, don't trap people as if they have to forgive you. You know, <laughs> nothing ever came of that. You know, like release me. no. A willingness to say, and I, I get it if you, know, if you don't even want to talk to me, but I just want to let you know I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe it's not even a conversation. Maybe it's a letter you need to write that you never mail, that you throw out, that nobody ever sees. But I want you to experience freedom. That's why the gospel's called good news. It's good news. Freedom is available to you. You don't have to be locked up. God has a plan and a purpose for you. So there's a, there's a place to reflect and just repent. Let's bow our heads. If you want, you can close your eyes. The, the team is just going to make their way up to, to lead us in a time of worship. And so I don't want you to be distracted as they come, and I want you to reflect a little bit about what choices require your repentance. And I, I want to let you know I've, I've prayed in preparation for this moment, and so I am confident that God is doing the work, that, that even as I said it, there were some of you, the Holy Spirit just dropped right into your mind, right into your heart, like, oh, it's that. And I know immediately comes all the, but I don't want to, I'm not gonna, <laughs> whatever. And that's fine, I'm not here to police your life. I'm here to tell you that on the other side of what it is that God's leading you to do, what he's, what he's laying on your heart is freedom. There's a freedom for you in that. And so today, with your head bowed and maybe your eyes closed, 
maybe this starts with a willingness to come into relationship with God. Maybe you're sitting there and saying, but I've never even asked God to be the Lord and leader of my life. I, I've never acknowledged what he did for me on the cross. I've never allowed him to be the Lord and leader of my life. I've been sitting on the throne room of my own life. And if, if that's you today and you want to be in relationship with God, it's not a, a rote prayer that needs to be repeated or, or some hoops that need to be jumped through. It's a, it's a simple acknowledgement that you're a sinner and a willingness right now in the reflecting of your heart and mind to say, God, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Doesn't have to be those words, but some version of that. And if you're praying that prayer right now, I would love to have a conversation with you following the gathering to, to talk about what your next steps are. I'll be at the next steps area. People talk to me about all different things. You won't stick out, but I don't want it to be just sort of an emotional or an immediate response. I want it to be the beginning of a journey, a beginning where you experience freedom and you walk in that freedom. And so if that's you today and you're joining us live online and you want to know what the next steps are, you can simply request prayer, uh, request prayer and when you touch that link, you'll go into a private chat with one of our pastors. They'll talk to you about what your next steps are, what they can be, and how we can come alongside you in this season. If you've prayed that prayer and you're watching or listening later on, you can always reach out to us via the Next Steps portion of our website or via email. We'd love to talk to you about coming alongside you in the journey that you've begun. For the rest of us today, if, <clears throat> if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you're thinking about what it looks like to reflect on your choices. I want to challenge you that when regret starts to creep up in the midst of that, that you would, that you would just speak to that lie and say, Lord, I know that that's a lie. So I pray that I would know and feel and sense your love as I continue to lean into what it is that you would have me to repent. Just repent before the Lord. And like I said, maybe some people. For some of us today, you might be sitting there and saying, <clears throat> this is a rhythm in my life. And I hope that it is. I hope that it is. But we never stop struggling with this idea of regret because we never stop struggling with the tension of, of applying the gospel to our lives. This is a lifelong journey that continually grows us. And so today... The text requires something from all of us. And so if this is already a pattern of your life, then I, I want to encourage you, when you say choices require my repentance, are there divine appointments that you've walked away from? Are there moments where God has compelled you? Where you're like, I'm, I need to do this. Whether it's with your time, your talent, your treasure, a relationship, something, and you just, you just said, yeah, but not today. It's a time to repent of your unwillingness to function and live on mission. Maybe your role missionally, if this is a pattern in your life, is to say, God, I want to be your hands and feet today. That you wake up every day and say, God, place me in strategic moments, at strategic times, so that I can echo your grace and mercy to others. Equip me to be a truth teller in the midst of people that are struggling with lies. Imagine if we lived free 
and in our spheres of influence, leverage all that we are to bring hope to the hopeless. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we repent corporately of the places that we have functioned outside of your will and your way. Lord, as much as we do our best to hear your spirit and to be led by your spirit, Father, I know that we're not perfect. And so we just recommit that publicly, God, that we would fall in line in every way according to your will. That we would hear from you and respond. Father, we declare ourselves available to be a part of what you're doing in this and surrounding communities for your glory and for our joy. We worship you today, not because of our circumstances or our situation, but because you are worthy to be praised, because you have been faithful, because you are faithful. And so we worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. I invite you to stand with us today, but I also want to point out we've selected three songs that certainly talk about God's nature and His goodness and His faithfulness, but there's also some personal stuff in here about confession and repentance, and so if you want to make an altar right where you're at, if you need a journal, if you want to lift your hands up, if you want to find a place in the room, let this time just be between you and God as a sweet sound of worship to Him, to whatever you need to do. Your kindness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to
worthy, Lord. You are so worthy. You're so worthy of our praise. We're so grateful. We're so grateful that we can experience the freedom. The freedom that your gospel awards us, the the good news of the truth of the gospel that transforms us, Lord. I pray that we would that we would walk in that. I pray for for everyone that that is hearing my voice and experience the freedom available. Lord, I know that you didn't step into time and die on a cross so that we would be bound by our past. So I pray that we would live as more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That we would experience the freedom of your faithfulness and your forgiveness and that we would be carriers of hope and joy to every sphere of influence you lead us to this week. That we would leave this place being sent on mission. Lord, I pray that you'd protect us as we go our separate ways, that you'd be with the students, put angels round about their vehicles as they travel back. God, protect them. Lord, seal in their hearts what it is that they've heard in this time away, the work that you've done within them. Father, I pray that it would have lasting fruit in their lives. Father, I pray that you would be with all of us as we go throughout the week and bring us together again safely next week as we celebrate your faithfulness and the freedom we found in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, Meredith will make herself available up here uh, with Tara being away with the students. Uh, Pastor Eric's in the, the back teaching the kids amazingly, I'm sure. And uh, if, you, uh, if you have any questions for me, I'll be at the Next Steps area. I can pray with you there as well. God bless you as you go. Feel free to stick around and grab some coffee or refreshments. We'll see you next week.